Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer. This is a bonus episode brought to you by our investigative platform Noteworthy, where we carry out journalistic projects based on ideas sent to us by the public. I'm Susan Daly, and over the past few months at Noteworthy, we examined the state of Irish rivers and the impact vegetation clearance is having on wildlife that depend on them. Rivers and the habitats they support are being over-maintained and in some cases destroyed in Ireland, according to experts who spoke to science and nature reporter Anthea Lackia. She joins me today to tell me about her work on this investigation and I am also joined today by Elaine McGough, who is the Natural Environment Officer with Antashka. Anthea, before we properly set sail, perhaps you can tell us about the habitats that you examined for this investigation. Yes, thank you, Susan, and thank you for having me. The habitats we looked at in this investigation are both those inside the river channels and also those along the banks of rivers. So these are called riparian habitats. They're important for animals, for plants. So there are so many species living there and others are using them as corridors to move along as well. They would be home to species that are well known from otters to kingfishers to badgers, but also dragonflies, mayflies, lamprey, trout, salmon. And the plants play an important role too because they capture pollutants and they provide shade as well. And Anthea, we are particularly focused in this investigation on the clearing away of vegetation. Who's responsible for that and why is it being done? So we found that there's no single authority responsible for rivers and vegetation clearance along rivers in Ireland. But there are a number of authorities responsible for clearing away vegetation, including the Office of Public Works, OPW, Waterways Ireland, and local authorities in each county. But also Inland Fisheries Ireland, the National Parks and Wildlife Service, and the Local Authority Waters Programme have a role and are involved in planning and have some level of oversight on these vegetation clearance activities. The OPW are responsible for maintaining 11,500 kilometres of channels in 33 river catchments in Ireland. And this maintenance is done on a five-year cycle, so they maintain about one-fifth of them, so equivalent to roughly 2,100 kilometres of channel each year. And this work is done to drain agricultural land in order to make it more productive. Anthea, this work then goes back to something called the Arterial Drainage Act. Will you please tell me what is that? Yes, so this work is mandated by this act, which dates back to 1945 and was amended in 1995. So this act was established to improve land for agriculture, to make it more productive by reducing flooding. Now, drainage actually started much earlier and acts date back as far as 1842. Historically, drainage has resulted in Irish rivers being dredged and drained and deepened. So they've been separated from their floodplain and transformed to unnatural water bodies, homogenous, straight and canal-like in shape. So most of the sources we spoke to were very clear that there was huge damage done to Irish rivers because of arterial drainage. But maintenance continues today, mandated by the Arterial Drainage Act and the associated removal of vegetation with negative impacts on ecosystems and biodiversity. And this is what we wanted to look at in this investigation. Most river works that we do hear about in the news are related to flood schemes. So how is this work different? 
So the OPWR, responsible for flood defence schemes and flood embankments under the Arterial Drainage Act 1945 and the 1995 amendment, these works include some vegetation clearance, but in this investigation we wanted to look at the clearance that was done as part of arterial drainage maintenance on those 11,500 kilometres of channels. So this is separate from OPW's work on flood defence schemes. Elaine, Anthea mentioned how some of our rivers have lost their natural meandering shape. What impact have you seen on the ground, pardon the pun, and are there any benefits, for example, to agriculture in doing these works? So the arterial drainage works, they usually involve three main impacts, if you will, or three main changes, and they are the impacts on the in-stream habitat and the sediment, and they alter the riparian, or like what's the bankside vegetation structure, and they remove woody debris from the channels, and each of those has their own individual impacts. So, for example, in-stream habitat is, it's intimately related to the riparian zone. The water bodies are interconnected with the land. So what we're seeing with channelization, the type of work done by the OPW, it interferes with the natural function of the river. It alters the habitat and sediment dynamics and often results in extensively modified habitats. So essentially, it diminishes the ecosystem function and leads to a disconnection with the land between between the river and the land. And so what you'd see is in gently flowing rivers, the channelization can lead to increased siltation. So you'll just get a lot of silt settling on on this uh, the bed of the river and covering over any gravel or any any natural habitats. It would turn what was once quite a diverse homogeneous landscape into a diverse landscape into quite a homogeneous bed of silt. This has knock-on impacts on what habitats are available for the things that live in the river, the things like invertebrates, like insects and fish, um, and the types of plants that can grow there. It's also been found that silt can be more damaging for microinvertebrates than than nutrient pollution. So it really has quite a significant impact. So that's quite a stark picture you've painted there, Elaine. Uh, So what is the benefit for, for doing these works? The farming lobby would strongly argue that the arterial drainage works are absolutely necessary for maintaining their land in, in a fit state to carry out their agriculture. The Arterial Drainage Act was brought into being in the 1940s for that very purpose, and it has it has done the job quite well. But as I described above, maintaining these habitats in a very unnatural situation means they need constant intervention to keep them open. So essentially, if the OPW stop dredging these maintained water bodies, the structure will change and it may lead to more flooding. So the farmers have a point. If these works stop being carried out, it is likely that their land would be impacted and you would see increased flooding. But given the environmental crisis that we're facing in Ireland and globally, isn't it time to find a better way that works for water, biodiversity and for people? Anthea, what Elaine is saying there around, I suppose there is some motivation for farmers to do this, but it has to, we kind of have to move on and find a way that it's more beneficial to to both the the river structure and how um, flooding can be prevented. There is also the case you were saying some sources were telling you some vegetation clearance is sometimes needed. Yes, that's right. So most sources would have said that vegetation clearance is sometimes needed. For instance, if a big tree or a branch falls into a river and is obstructing a bridge or another structure in the river, or if it's blocking a flow, the flow of a river, or if there's excessive shading, that would be another case. But absolutely, uh, as I agree, most sources agreed with what Elaine was saying above and the damage. 
Elaine, when we talked about the biodiversity, so what wildlife was relying on rivers, I suppose most people would think about trout or salmon, but it is much more than that. Absolutely. A river ecosystem is incredibly complex and there are oodles of species that rely on it from microorganisms, tiny little things you might not even be able to see all the way up to mammals. And a lot of people probably don't realise how diverse these habitats are because they all live below the surface of the water. You don't get to see them unless you really go digging. And all of this diversity is facilitated by the diverse habitats and the niche spaces. So I did, as part of my academic work, I looked at the relationship between the diversity of the habitat in a water body and the diversity of the species. And it's a very clear relationship. The more habitat space you have, the more invertebrates you have. And each creature has its own preferred space in the river. Not all of them want to live in the same home. And it changes. It's really fascinating. It can change at different points in their life cycle. So, for example, you have mayflies and when they're young, they live in the water and then they emerge as adults and they'll need trees on the, on the bank and they swarm around the, the trees for mating. So they depend on a good quality habitat within the river and on the river banks or dragonflies are similar. They live in the water as young but they need reeds at the edge of the river and they crawl up them when they're ready to transform into adults. They need those structures to climb up out of the water. Or, I mean, as you said, you have salmon and trout, which need well-oxygenated gravel and good quality water. And then you've also species like kingfisher, which nest in riverbanks, and they like quite vertical banks that are clear of vegetation so there's no predators hiding ready, ready to eat them. And Thea, that is such a diverse habitat with diverse needs. And yet we're talking about arterial drainage work that started in the 1940s. Has it changed at all since that time? So uh, since the Arterial Drainage Act in 1945, OPW told us that the work that they do um, in terms of arterial drainage maintenance is unrecognisable. They told us it's unrecognisable compared to 20, 30 years ago and that there is more of an environmental focus at OPW. So they have um, environmental guidance in place and all their catchments go through a five-year screening for appropriate assessment. Um, So public authorities are required to do these appropriate assessments, including a screening for plans and projects to ensure that there's no adverse impact on the conservation objectives of Natura 2000 sites, so the European network of breeding and nesting and resting sites for rare and threatened species. About 6,000 kilometres of the channels maintained by OPW are either close or within these sites, so they would include special areas of conservation and special protection areas. And this means that environmental assessments are absolutely required before the works. However, experts we spoke to still had serious concerns about the environmental assessment process and the environmental damage caused by the works on rivers and on habitats. Uh, We found that a quarter of OPW audits of maintenance works last year in 2021 failed to obtain a good or very good score. And that was for reasons ranging from damage to riparian vegetation to impacts on fish and spawning areas. Elaine, we've just heard their environmental assessments. They're so important. They're such an important tool to protect these habitats. But Elaine, what do they involve and are they actually enough to prevent destructive works? 
Yeah, there are a few different types of assessment that can be done, but the one that's most well known is the appropriate assessment. And this is where whenever any works are going to damage European protected sites, you need to look at what the impacts are, see what measures you can put in place to prevent that impact. And it's really high legal bar. You have to be able to conclude beyond reasonable doubt that there'll be no impact on these protected habitats in order for the work to go ahead. It's a very useful tool in a lot of circumstances, but like any tool, it depends whose hands it's in. So judgment calls that you don't generally rely on members of the public to make because you need quite a bit of expertise to know if there actually is risk. So while the tool itself is useful, I think the the OPW could could beef up on the implementation of it. Anthea, on those assessments then and subject to what Elaine was saying there, you did look deeply into some of them and your investigation did find instances where there were issues with these assessments. Can you give us some examples? Yes, we found instances in which no assessment had taken place before the works and work had been done during the nesting season as well. So in one case, we discovered that a company contracted by Waterways Ireland cut trees along a stretch of the Abbey River in Limerick without any assessment prior to the works. And this actually led to a loss of riparian woodland, according to the environmental assessment that they did afterwards, the retrospective environmental assessment. We also found an instance where OPW, Arterial Drainage Works, took place outside of the period covered by the Natura Impact Statement. So these were works on the Trimblestown Channel of the River Boyne, and they were done in January 2021. But the Natura Impact Statement covered the period from 2016 to 2020. And internal National Parks and Wildlife Service correspondents actually mentioned this and said that there appeared to be some confusion as to the time frame covered within the current natural impact statement for the Boyne Arterial Drainage Maintenance Scheme. OPW told us that on a five-year basis, they update and revise the appropriate assessments, but they said that the essence of these assessments doesn't change. We also discovered a number of instances where trees were felled and vegetation was cut during the bird nesting season. Um, For instance, an OPW audit revealed vegetation was removed uh, from a stretch of the river Brosna in Westmead in June 2021. So this is bird nesting season. Section 40 of the Wildlife Act makes it an offence to destroy vegetation growing on uncultivated land in a hedge or a ditch between the 1st of March and the 31st of August each year. And the National Parks and Wildlife Service told us that there are some exceptions to this relating to public health and safety and to work carried out by Inland Fisheries Ireland, but that there's no specific reference made to works carried out by the OPW. That's a very clear message that, yes, there are exceptions in nesting season. We know that's an extremely sensitive time uh, for wildlife and birds Um but not for the for this purpose. So that's really interesting to learn. And Elaine, Antashka advocates for ecosystems around Ireland. So say in the case of the works in Limerick, that woodland was felled in response to local concerns regarding dumping and litter and antisocial behaviour, which seems a little bit unrelated to the actual you know, existence of a woodland in itself. So do we have a tendency in Ireland to basically clear away nature to solve other problems, to make things tidy? Oh, we absolutely do. And the argument of antisocial behaviour, it, it just fills me with despair. It seems like you can use that argument to, to do anything you want. Like, like you said, even planting trees. I know communities don't want to plant trees because they're convinced that in 
you know, 10 or 20 years time, there's going to be people drug dealing in them or the like. So we very much need to change our collective view of nature. You know, in everyone, well, not everybody, lots of people like things to be neat and tidy. But nature likes messy. There is no space for nature when things are neat. Like if you look across Ireland, a lot of people pride themselves on our lovely green fields. But when I see those green fields, I look at them and I see it as an ecological desert. It's just ryegrass. There's nothing else there. There is no space for nature to live in. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So I would love if if collectively Irish people could see the land and see nature through my eyes and realize the damage that this neat and tidy like mentality is is causing. Sticking with the calls for change, Anthea, and if we were to look back again, focusing on the Arterial Drainage Act, the overarching message throughout your investigation did seem to be the need for serious reform of that. What are the most urgent changes that experts told you are needed? Yes, absolutely. Nearly all of the experts that we spoke to were very, very clear that the Act needs to be reformed and brought up to speed to account for the current climate and biodiversity crises and emergencies, and also to be in line with the latest science, the latest scientific findings. A petition by the Irish Wildlife Trust to reform the Act gathered over 5,000 signatures and the current draft River Basin Management Plan for Ireland, which is out for public consultation, actually mentions a need for new legislation to manage pressures on rivers. So it looks as though some change may be afoot. And Elaine, you have concerns about transparency in terms of OPW works. What are those and would a change in the Act actually help with those? Yeah, it's very difficult to to get into the black box that is the OPW. I've, I, as Antashka, have repeatedly asked the OPW to give me an outline of their planning process. So I'm very clear on who is making the decisions. Is there the opportunity to appeal? What's this, the decision making process? Yeah, I, I asked first, it was at least two years ago, and I, I still have asked three times since, and I still haven't gotten that information. They did recently enough, they uploaded some appropriate assessment environmental screening decisions onto their website. I asked them for the scientific rationale underlining those so I can figure out how, how rigorous they're being. Again, that was never sent to me. So I know that they're conscious of trying to improve the public participation and the transparency, but we're still a long way from where we are with with most other government bodies. Like in planning, you can go onto the say your local county council website and all of the documentation is up there. You know exactly who's making the decision, when and what the grounds are. With the OPW, somebody is making a decision. We don't know what it's based on. We don't know exactly when the decision was made and we don't know if there's any opportunity to appeal it. So it's really, from a public participation point of view, it's really problematic. The public, this is why the public are up in arms. They see the OPW out on their local river and nobody knows, you know, are they meant to be there? What are they doing? Is this permitted? It's really unsatisfactory. Anthea, the OPW themselves do recognise that there is always room for improvement. What did they say to you about how they operate? Well, they said that there has been a change in Irish law in June 2021 
And this change makes it extremely clear that there's a need for public consultation on these works, these arterial drainage works. So they say that they are now they've started that process and that public consultation will be done on all these works. And they also said that they're going to publish the schedule of works, which was one of the main concerns that sources we spoke to had, because there needs to be a way for people to actually see when these works are going to take place ahead of time and to look at the assessments ahead of time and just for people to be able to have an input on the whole process. That would make a big difference to people's trust and I suppose the transparency that they need when we see that there are rivers that are in trouble. But Anthea, also on a positive note, you did find some river restoration work that is happening in parts of Ireland Yes, uh, so Inland Fisheries Ireland, um, together with OPW, are doing enhancement work on rivers. So that might involve putting back into the river structures that were taken out in the first place by arterial drainage works. So gravels, for example, which provide habitat and spawning grounds for salmon and trout, or structures, for example, that can help the river go back to a meandering shape. So things like paired deflectors. So these create variation in flow in rivers. They create pools and they keep the gravel more oxygenated and clean. And many of the sources we spoke to mentioned nature-based solutions as a means of restoring rivers to a more natural state. So preventing erosion, alleviating flooding as well. And many actually stress that we need to consider the entire catchment rather than focusing on sections of channels in rivers. So, for example, the Inishowen Rivers Trust has been doing work on rivers in Donegal to alleviate the effects of erosion. And they've been placing mixtures of spruce and willow in the rivers and these are called brash revetments. And these bring vegetation back to the rivers when the willow grows. Uh, they create habitats and they prevent erosion and flooding where they're placed. So the Inishowen Rivers Trust told us that there are so many clear benefits to this for farmers as well because their land is not eroding and the bank of the river builds back once again. Thanks for that, Anthea. A small bit of optimism to finish on, I think, for both the riparian habitats we were talking about and farmers. And a big thanks to both our guests for joining us, Elaine McGough and our reporter, Anthea Lackier. You have been listening to this bonus episode of The Explainer, brought to you by Noteworthy.ie. It was produced by Nikki Ryan and Laura Byrne. If you want to learn more about our work at Noteworthy and how we source our stories from you, our readers and listeners, head to our site at Noteworthy.ie and sign up to our newsletter, which gives you an insider look at our latest investigations by visiting noteworthy.ie forward slash newsletter. Thanks for having us and see you next time.